Welcome to Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm Liren. Initially, I thought today I was just going to talk about the first game that I played at DexCon a few weeks ago before I got sick. But then something really tragic happened, and I recorded a big long podcast with lots of details and thought, hold on, you guys don't want to know all the gory details. Essentially, we had a cat, his name was Gunsmoke. He was like gunmetal blue. We rescued him out of a dog's mouth when he was a couple of months old. And we thought his spine was injured. I brought him home thinking I would have to take him and have him put down the next day. And then he started walking around. He was incredibly feral, terrified of people. And we put him in my son's bathroom so that he would be quarantined from our other cats. During that time, I would say to my son every couple days, we've got to figure out what we're going to do with that cat. And I thought, no one's going to want to adopt a feral wild cat. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of cats living outside and being like barn cats because I like the birds around here and cats eat them. So our cats are all inside cats. They don't go outside. I keep thinking someday when I'm wealthy, I'll build them a screen room outside, but we're not wealthy yet. So Anyway, um, after about a month, I said to my son, man, we really need to figure out what we're going to do with that cat. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, he's feral. I don't, I don't know how we're going to find him a home. I don't want to put him outside. And he said, just a minute. And he went in his bathroom and walked out holding and petting that cat. In a month, he had socialized that cat. And that cat loved him. They were so cute together. My son would pat his chest and the cat would climb right up on his chest when he was laying down and headbutt him on the chin, just rubbing his face on my son. And my son was the only person who could really pick him up. You could pick him up and hold him to trim his nails, but he was rigid as a board and you could tell he hated it. And when my son picked him up, he just nestled right against my son and adored him. So he was about three years old and Wednesday night he started acting punky and... I didn't take him to the vet yesterday because payday wasn't until today, and today I found someone who could work him in, and long story short, within a very short time we found out that our three-year-old cat was in heart failure. So I drove my son up to the vet to say goodbye to him, and my son is very pragmatic. He's on the autism spectrum. He's also just very soft-hearted and a really loving kid and usually when things die he can be pretty pragmatic right when it happens he'll get really sad and then he's okay but I knew this was going to be different because this cat loved him they were like best buddies so he went in and held the cat for a few minutes and then he said mom I can't be here when this happens can you do it and I said sure so I did we brought him home My son's going to bury him tonight, and it's all just very sad. And I have to say that seeing my six-foot-two son curled up on my bed sobbing, wanting me to hold him, was a very sobering mom moment, you know? He's much better now. A couple hours have passed, and he's a lot more calm about it, and he's like, okay, I think I cried it out. He has an amazing process about stuff like that, I'll tell you. I suspect there will be a couple times when he'll get up in the morning and look around and realize that cat isn't there and there will be a lot of sadness, but I don't know. It was just a very unexpected heartbreak, you know? The poor kitty was only three. 
Anyway, we have no idea how inbred he was or, you know, I know nothing about his background. Uh, he, My friend, we rescued him out of their dog's mouth, lives out in the middle of nowhere too. And this cat had just had kittens out in her shed, you know, so I don't know. Anyways, my son is now to the point where he's talking about how he had a good life while he was alive and how much he loved him. And I'm happy to see that. It's just, it's so sad. Why that one? You know, why did that have to happen? I don't know. Anyway, so I am going to talk about the first game that I played just because it's been a long time and I don't want to forget any of it. It was so wonderful. So this game that I played was um, an Everway game based on magic cards. And, you know, my husband and I played magic at our honeymoon <laughs> and we haven't played since not too long after that. We just got busy with you know, jobs and kids and animals. And, and, uh, so I vaguely kind of remembered the setting. I was really intimidated because I was like, okay, I have no idea how this is going to go because it's been years. So I, but I, I knew one thing I remembered Kat Miller. Uh, she GM'd some of the games 11 years ago when I was there and I really enjoyed that. So she was the GM of this game, and that's really a big part of the reason I signed up for it, just because I thought, I know this will be interesting because she's doing it. And she's a really good storyteller. So oddly enough, I just today heard her husband, Michael, make a comment on Dreaming of Dragons. I didn't even know he was on Anchor, but that's cool. So um, he, they are the nicest people. I really enjoyed spending time with them while I was at Dexcon. Um, I sat at the Sparks table, which is started part of the Indie Game Explosion, and got some time to, you know, sit and talk and, and just laugh, and it was just really nice to spend time with them. I met some of the nicest people there, and it was nice to get reacquainted with them. So I have recorded a description for the game, which I will put here. Everway, The Gate on the Mountain of Sorrows by Gaslight Press, presented by Cat Miller. An independently published game, part of the Indie Games Explosion. Somewhere on the Mountain of Sorrows is a mysterious gate. Legends tell that it leads to riches. Many who seek it are never heard from again. You believe the gate holds the answer to your greatest troubles and have gone on a pilgrimage with four other strangers to find the gate. Like so often happens... When I, at least at the few that I've played, in the indie games that I have played, a lot of times they don't exactly follow the description. And I don't consider that a flaw. They tend to follow the people who are playing. I think in this case, Kat may have gone the direction she went because we spent more time making characters than she had planned on. The character making process, this is a play test, and it was a really interesting process of using the set of Sphere Walker magic cards to almost as like a, an oracle to fill in different um, stats. And we also could draw one to represent our character. It was just a really interesting, evocative way to build a game. So she put some cards out and I chose one and my character was a dreamer. And um, that's her Spherewalker name. And so Spherewalker is about, there are many different uh, spheres and there are gates that only Spherewalkers can cross over. 
I think she said if you were holding someone's hand, they could cross with you, but otherwise someone who wasn't a sphere walker can't ever cross. So we spent a ton of time making characters, as I said. Uh, it was really interesting. Uh, we ended up, <clears throat> excuse me, we ended up, the group of people and I, let me think how many people were there, one, two, three, four, five, I was the sixth, so there were six of us. We ended up kind of talking through and trying to figure out where our characters would fit, and uh, that in itself was a fascinating process. And um, so the character sheet is interesting too. I'm just going to read you some stats in case you're interested. So the first stat after name is motive, uh, and she had some handouts that are just from the game test, so we didn't get to keep them, but that gave you some options for what your motives were. So I chose mystery, seeking the source or meaning of symbols and ethereal music she dreams of and sometimes hears or sees in the world. So uh, initially I thought that she would be someone who was kind of aloof and much more concerned about figuring out what all of these things meant than interacting with other people. And um, so the next step is fortune. So fortune is broken up into three different things. First of all, there's your fate, and then there's your virtue, which is your best quality, and your fault, which is your greatest weakness. Now, all of these are based on cards, and she had handouts for them, so we got to choose. So um, my fate was uh, the hermit, and uh, the front side of that card was wisdom, and the flip side of that card was isolation. So that was interesting. That's my fate. And then my best quality, my best virtue was the soul prevails, which I'm trying to remember exactly what I decided that meant. As I talk about the story, it might come back to me. And my greatest fault is lack of connection. Because I'm so busy chasing around the meaning of these things, I rarely deeply connect with people. So then she had us choose cards to complete our stats. So in this game, your stats are air, fire, earth, water, and ether. So ether is kind of like your ability to use magic. Air is thought, fire is action, earth is might, and water is feeling. So uh, it was a very interesting process of picking things out that fit with the story of what strengths and weaknesses you had and then rolling to figure out um, Oh no, that's right. We didn't roll. I forgot. We didn't roll on this. She just said, you have this many points to distribute and based on your character, you can put them different places. So I gave my character uh, a five for feeling, a four for thought and might, and then a three for action because I didn't figure she was a fighter. So there's a really cool wheel that has wisdom, energy, integrity, and power. Since this was a playtest, I don't think I'm supposed to share this, so I don't want to take a picture of it and share it. But essentially, it, it's just, it has a different stat set than just the standard, you know, dex, int, charisma, all of that. On the back side of the sheet, you could have some specialties. They had certain costs, so you could spread out a certain amount of points for specialties, connections, and a signature possession. And then um, there are also powers and forces. So we spent a lot of time trying to figure out the difference between powers and forces and like just discussing that because this is a playtest, a lot of that is still sort of nebulous. So it was a really interesting process. Um, my character ended up with the specialty of understanding of symbols, which essentially means that even if she can't tell directly what they mean, she can get a sense of what they mean. 
uh, and the connection is with a society called the Order of Symbology. And then she had powers of reveal or conceal and drain or infuse. And her possessions were a cloak of protection and the ability to soothe conflict. So once we got all of this sorted out, we had had a chance to talk a little bit amongst ourselves. And then she had we went around the table and she had each of us describe our character's backstory and what their stats were. And it was really interesting to hear how much people had developed really a lot of detail for their characters. Uh, we were probably, this was a nine to one session. We were about two hours in at this point. Uh, actually, I think we were about two and a half hours in because we ended up only playing for about an hour and a half. But I think it was good because a lot of it was sorting out exactly what they meant and how it all fit together. So by the time we started playing, it made sense how we would use our stats. So that part went fairly quickly. So at that point, Kat wove this really beautiful story about uh, all of us had heard a story that a gate was going to be born, one of the gates the sphere walkers can walk through. And that's a very rare occurrence. And so all of us are trying to get to where this gate is going to be born. And she put a couple obstacles in place and we had to work together to convince the guard to let us through the gate they were about to brick over. And uh, we found out the reason they were bricking it over was because this really bad dude who was like a sphere walker who just murders people in his path because he gains power from the people that he kills. And um, so the guard led us through because I actually used soothe conflict on him and another person had a power that was being convincing. So it was really a lot of fun to work together with our different strengths. And um, we got through the gate. We followed a path of bodies where this evil guy was going we got to the top of this mountain where there was this light at, coming out of a cave and um we really had to interact and work together to figure out what was going on with this bad guy one of the guys in the party uh, was a swordsman and he had he his honor was very important to him and he wanted to this guy who we were chasing, I cannot remember what his name was, uh, chasing, I mean following, uh, he was someone that that character had wanted to fight for her to gain honor. And so he challenged him. They tried to fight. Some force was pulling this evil guy to uncover the rocks that were blocking the mouth to this cave. It was really interesting. It was very intricate. It was amazing how creative Cat was. And and, you know, it's funny because as people did things on the fly, I mean, it is amazing to watch a good GM. I just have to say that because on the fly, she just would throw something in or or she created an NPC that didn't tell us exactly what to do. But in the end, it turned out to be this really interesting twist. And I have to tell you that I walked out of that room thinking, OK, like I, I can do this. Because I was really scared I wasn't going to pull my weight or do my part, you know. So that was a lot of fun. And sadly, you know, Kat walked out of there going, oh, I'm sorry, that was your first game. That was making characters was such a mess. And I was like, oh, my gosh, don't even know. That was really awesome. But I think uh, it because it's a play test and that game is a, still has a couple of kinks to work out. I think that she was just worried it didn't go as smoothly as she wanted it to, but I thought it was wonderful. And the storytelling 
was just fascinating to me. And really, that's the part I love the most. The way that she um, would throw a clue out there without directing us what to do and let us figure it out. But clearly, in hindsight, you know, she was definitely guiding us. And I don't know, I, that's such a skill. And it was such a wonderful thing to watch her do that. And at the end, I could tell she was really drained. And um, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't even know if I could do that even after practicing for a while, you know, I don't know. After watching her and a couple of other people and my husband, GM, I'm just like, huh, maybe I'm just uh, cut out to be a player. I don't know. It's funny because I actually, for 12 years, taught classes, taught technical classes in web design. And I love to teach. I love it a lot. But it's pretty linear. I mean, I have a set of skills I'm trying to teach someone. They may have different learning types, learning styles. They may have um, different processing disorders. I worked with a couple people who I would bet money were adults on the spectrum, just from my experiences with my son. But, but you know, it's a, it's a really pretty straight line of here's what I want you to learn. Now I just have to find the way to present it that will make sense to you. And I guess GMing is kind of the same, but wow, I, <laughs> you have to be a consummate dancer, man to do that well. And hats off. Let me just say hats off. I played in a couple of games with Kat. So she GM'd that one. I played in another game with my husband where she was one of the other players. And she had requested that that game take place. And I playing with her is as wonderful as playing when she's the GM. So I really had a lot of fun. Also, I think I mentioned before that my husband bought the card game for the queen. And so we played through a game of for the queen with her too. when we were sitting at the indie game explosion table for uh, people who wanted to request games or say they were willing to run a game off schedule because there's always people who don't have a slot because there's more people than there are games. I mean, it's a pretty interesting balance. And I, it's not like there's a ton of people standing around going, well, I have nothing to do. But there were a few games that went off that way, and it's a really interesting idea. But you do end up spending a lot of time sitting at the table during the sessions while people are playing games where they're not walking up. They might, like maybe one or two. but So you have to have someone there. But we had some time, so we played through a game of For the Queen. And she is just, Kat is just incredibly creative. And I really enjoyed myself, I have to say. <laughs> you know, For the Queen... I. I think I talked about this. It has been such a crazy day. I'm pretty fried. So forgive me if I've talked about this and I'm repeating myself. It's a card game. The first set of cards that you do are actually the instructions of how to play the game. And you go around the table and each person reads one, which I thought was a really clever way to teach the rules. They're, they're simple, but it was very clever. And it engages everyone in the mechanic of you're going to go around and take turns doing things. And then you pick a queen out of, I want to say there's 12 of them or something like that. See, I remember saying that, so I think I've talked about this. But anyways, and then there's some cards that are just statements that you then weave a story about being the queen's retinue, uh, include, uh, answering that question. So uh, I have to say, I was quite, uh, a couple times she threw things out there that just left me sitting there kind of dumbstruck for a minute going, wow, like, wow that's cool. And then think like frantically trying to think, uh, how do I work in that into what I was thinking? So it was so much fun. <laughs> I, that probably doesn't sound like fun, but it was, it was really fun. And I just 
you know, again, hats off to her, let me tell you, because she's a really wonderful GM and player. All right, that's enough for me. Finally, I have done a review of one of the games that I played that was wonderful. And let me tell you, if that game actually comes out, if it comes out a playtest and they publish it, I will be one of the first people to buy it. Oh, I forgot to say, she gave me a pack of cards for Sphere Walker that she had bought. I guess it's that game, um, the pack that is Sphere Walker is like years old. I wanted, she said something like 10 years old or maybe older than that. And I thought, wow, like, and they're, I think they're trying to um, reinvigorate it by doing this. And well, let me tell you, that was a fun game. I think it, it may well be effective, but I'm trying to dig out my Everway cards. Where did I put them? Oh my goodness, I don't know where I put them. Anyway, they are really beautiful. And she said that she had gotten them on eBay, I want to say. And I thought, what that? What a really cool thing that she, we all walked away with a pack of cards. She also let us swap cards if we wanted to, so we could all end up with cards of a style that we would enjoy. So anyways, um, I have put them away in a special place and I don't remember what special place they're in. <laughs> Oh, it has been a long and stressful day. I hope that you guys are doing well. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it wasn't too rambling. And I just want to say, yay for gaming. I had the greatest time playing that game and the other ones that I will continue to review. Have a good one. <laughs>